Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Happy Monday! We're back! We're back, baby! Alright, well, full disclosure, this is take two because the first take, you want to say... Welcome sing, back! He started with that and I just started... And I lost it. I lost it. I go, we're not starting season four that way. But, well, was, but we did anyway. Well, so we did we anyway. But it, oh, it's great <laughs> to be back. The computer this morning was like, why are you guys bothering me? Yeah, we're a little later than usual. Back to school week. We had some appointments to take care of this morning. and We're still recording in but the it, morning. But it is, it is Monday morning... Eleven twenty-seven. So yeah, whenever I know hardly anybody, very few people hear this when it's posted around ten, ten thirty on a Monday morning. No, we got a lot of uh, afternoon the drive home. drive people. So or Tuesday, good afternoon or to all of you. So, but we're back and we're excited. We had to start on the feast on the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary that we are celebrating today, and it's a great day to kick off and to start a new year. How was your summer? My summer was. It's not over. My you summer to, was. You, you I'll leave to, it at my summer was. <laughs> don't go off by yesterday, but but you still you still have one vacation left. You have one trip yes, left. One trip left. He's, he's, he still has one trip. I'm done. One trip yeah. left. So, and I'll tell you how that goes when yeah, I get well, back. <laughs> I but, make I'm making no promises. But uh, I I had a, ver- a very nice summer. I think it went by too fast. Uh, spent time with friends. Spent time with family and. And uh, people kept asking me, Father, when is the when is the podcast coming back? I go, I don't know. I mean, sometime so, in August. Surpri- so surprise. Yeah. Sometime we're, in August. Today is sometime in August. It's the middle of August. No announcement. No, it's coming just here. No, boom. we didn't put an announcement. It's like, if you know, you're a follower, you'll get the notification. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful day to do it. And my, my dad's birthday today. So on the 15th of August, it's it's a wonderful day. It's Sister Rosalie's mini feast day because she's Sister Rosalie of the Assumption and um, and and there were great readings yesterday to go off of, so it was the best. You know, we'll do that today and uh, and go over that. But just just welcome back, and it's great to have all of you. And please, we encourage you to share this, keep promoting it. I, we have some loyal followers. Sometime this month, we're going to pass our ten thousand download. So mm-hmm. we're we're I really love this. Ex- I love this time of the year. It, it yes. is great. It's it's and not, we'll get that into the second segment. But it's also you know, great iron season is coming. In football, we'll, but we'll get to that in the second segment. In the first segment, we're going to talk about uh, fire. We're going to talk about fire. All right, you know, it's, it's not. I, I have a perfect Beavis impression. Fire. You see, I told you I was going to do it. I told you, but I was doing that all of last week when I was talking about the gospel, and I didn't do it during the homily. I go, gotta respect the pulpit. You, you, you were very tempted to, though. I was I, very tempted. If I know you. I was very you were, tempted. You were about to, and but you thought it's like. I, I have I have the the sound queued up, you know. Hold on. Fire! 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 Can you tell the difference? You can. I don't know why I have this uncanny, you know, impersonation of Beavis doing fire because that was yesterday's gospel. Not to minimize it, but it was it was it was it's a, always been one of my favorite gospels because you, you remember that old commercial. Uh, mm-hmm. You need a Snickers bar. Yeah, that one. The, the, Jesus needed a, sounded like he needed a Snickers bar. <laughs> Wait, he looked like Betty White or something. I no, love the man, Betty White commercial. And I was joking with you, not to again, not to make light of the readings, but you know, you, you have a certain image of Jesus, and then boom, he brings it, and he brings it hard. All right, I have come to set the earth on fire, and as as if that's not bad enough, he doubles down, right? You mm-hmm. know, and how I wish it were already blazing. I was like, bro, you, you're you're coming off a you're coming off a forty hour. Uh, fasting here, you, know, you need a Snickers bar. Let's let's take it down a notch. <laughs> but I love what you, I love the 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 homily yesterday. You know, as you as you kind of dove a little bit deeper into this fire that he's talking about. It is a purifying fire. It's not a destructive fire. I mean, it, it destructive in the way that it needs to destroy sin and need to destroy. Uh, to, you know, I have forgotten. I have to get close to the microphone. It's been a long summer. Um, 
it's a destructive fire in the way that it needs to destroy sin. It needs to destroy everything that that doesn't allow us to come close to Christ. So Jesus is very, like you said, Jorge, is very straightforward. He doesn't mince words. He just cuts right to the chase. He has, just to give you some context, this is chapter 12 of the, of the Gospel of St. Luke. Last week, we were talking about faith, and now we go into, and I, and, I, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit. Well, last week actually was to be vigilant in the Gospel. I talked about faith because that was the second reading last week. Last week's Gospel was be vigilant, and, and you never know when the master of the house is coming. You know, gird your loins and, uh, and light your lamps. So he's talking about the vigilant servant, the faithful servant, the one who is prudent, the one who is ready to receive the master that is coming. So once he's done with that, and talking about the servant who knew his master's will, he says, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. And so Jesus wants this to happen right now. He doesn't want to wait. He's not, he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to rain fire upon the earth and this purify. No, he says he wants it now. He's not saying it's going to happen or he, he wants it now. He said, I want it now. And he says this 2,000 years ago. And I said in the homily yesterday that this is something that we still need. We need that purifying fire. We talked about it. We, I, I don't believe our last, was our last uh, podcast of Pentecost Sunday? I don't remember. But if we did, it was, I mean, I, I don't remember. But it was, but I know I talked about that Pentecost Sunday, that fire does purify. It, you know, it takes, you know, when there's a natural brush fire, it wipes out the old forest, but a new seedling start growing and new forest comes up and something more beautiful to behold comes out. And it's something natural, something that God created on earth. Yes, brush fires can be destructive, they could be, they, they could be deadly, but it's something that's natural. So this fire that Jesus has, I reminded people, that fire is a symbol of the presence of God. You think about the burning bush in the book of, in the book of Exodus that called to Moses to lead his people out of e- uh, out of Egypt. Then later on, after they were, as they were leading uh, leaving Egypt, that column of fire led the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea and and away from the and and it was that column of fire that divided them between them and Pharaoh's army. So again, the presence of God, and of course, to go back to Pentecost, the tongues of fire that appeared above the apostles' heads at, at the moment of Pentecost and, and our Blessed Mother with them. So all this is to remind us that fire is necessary, that Jesus wants to purify the earth. He wants to purify our hearts. He wants to get rid of those things that do not allow us to be the faithful, and he was talking about vigilant servants, faithful servants, to be the faithful servants that we are called to be. And also... We need to be on fire. We need to be on fire with the faith. We need to be on fire with the gospel to be able to proclaim it to the ends of the earth. And sometimes we lack that because if we were truly on fire, if we all acted like people, like for example, when we finish a retreat, that we're all on fire, you know, we're all ready to take on the world, and then Monday comes and oh man, Monday hits you square in the face. That's why you have the podcast. You know, we realize, wait, no. I need to continue this. What I learned in the retreat, what I learned, you know, whatever spiritual experience you have, whatever fills you with fire, whatever fills you, you know, and sets your heart ablaze, you know, this is something that we need to take forward and say, I need to do this for Jesus because this was Jesus' most, he goes, how I wish it were already blazing. This is his most fervent wish at this moment. You know, I, I think one of the biggest sins of our time is this sense of lukewarmness. You know, the sense apathy. Of, of apathy, yeah. of just, you know, uh, I'm kind of going through the motions here. You know, we've, we've referenced it, as, you know, with the, with the live stream. We, we kept it going for so long, and people just kind of started, you know, oh, I haven't, I haven't gone to church in weeks, and yeah, but I haven't received communion got rid of that in a while, yesterday. and, you know, the, my world hasn't fallen apart, and, and okay, you know, I'll, I'll just make this part of my new normal, and, you know, it's... It's just there, and and I know I can go back whenever I need, whenever I want it, and and that is so contrary to this image of of fire. And it's, it's and, a post-pandemic haze that we're still we're abso- still experiencing. Absolutely, but but we we read, you know, to to contrast that we read the lives of the saints, we read the writings of the saints, we we look at you know not even to, to go to that level, 
you know, people that we know in our community, in our parish, in our school, in our families, among our friends, you know, people who take the faith seriously, you know, who put it into action in their families, in the way they carry their lives. And there's just something that attracts us to them. There, there's something about they, the way they live their life you know, that sets them apart, that makes them different. And it's, if, if you could kind of peel back the, the exterior layer to them, you would see that there's this non-consuming but very, very fervent fire burning within their hearts. Yeah, and, and, you know, I always, I love that, um, the quote from Pope Benedict, you know, when we've encountered Christ, we, we cannot keep it to ourselves. You know, we have to share it. And, and that's what the fire of the Holy Spirit does. It, it's not just ours to keep, but it compels us to go out and literally spread that fire. It, it really does. And, and to go back to that point you made about the live stream, um, yesterday we made the decision to finish it. It was like the last vestige. I, I sent you an email last night. I made a, I yeah. was bored last night. And 880, from 880 consecutive days, we live stream mass from this parish. I'm sure there was a day there that probably the computer was out or it was a technical glitch, but we at least we attempted to, or we thought we were live streaming mass to the entire, basically to the entire world, because anybody in the world could pick mm -hmm. up the feed on YouTube. And it was a service that was needed at the time to connect us to the people of God as we were locked down, as we were stuck in our homes. But it ran its course, and we kept it on, and 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 you were talking about that apathy, and people were like, "Oh no, our family's watching." No, 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 your family shouldn't be watching. Your family should be here, present, participating. And here's an interesting tidbit I didn't share with, share with you this morning. Father Andrew had the the Spanish mass, and and that was the last official mass that we live streamed. You disabled all the things yep. yesterday, actually <laughs> we were together. And you go, oh, that's the last live stream just finished. Uh, and he said that when he announced it after, and he said he waved goodbye to the people that were watching at home. And it wasn't that many people in live stream. More people watch it at 10.30. But people after Mass are saying, Father, thank you for killing the live stream because we know people that use that as a crutch. Mm -hmm. We know people that are are being lazy in their faith. The, the phrase we're using in Spanish, they're, they're being lazy in their faith and not coming and participating in the Eucharist because they always have that fallback of the live stream and listen it did serve its purpose it it it, it was uh it was necessary but it, we ran it a you know a little longer than most parishes and other parishes are are starting to realize i mean the, the dispensation ended on palm sunday mm -hmm. and we kept it going I, and we, we made the decision before the summer i said that keep it on during the summer people may want to check in while they're traveling and hopefully going to mass yep. but still there's nothing that went Fire needs to be experienced in person. Yeah. You can't, you know, like, I'll give you a great example. You know, the Yule Log fire that's all over YouTube that you can put on your screen while, during, while you're opening presents on their TV. It's beautiful, but it's not giving off heat. Yeah. It's not giving <laughs> off warmth. You, I mean, the wonderful thing about having a fire in your home, if you're in a cabin up in the woods or in the, in the mountains and it's snowing, is that you feel that, that natural warmth. Or even like here in Miami, when it goes down to 65 degrees yep. and you put on, you have one in your backyard, and you put on that bonfire and you want to be around it, yep. you feel that warmth. Sure. You could put it on the TV screen, it looks beautiful in 4K, but it's not giving you the warmth that it's supposed to here, give. Here's another one, and this uh, former student of mine's biggest pet peeve is uh, videos of New Year's fireworks shows. Yeah, what's the point of that? Because, you know, everyone takes a video of the fireworks show and, and his point is, when are you ever going to see that again? You know, but but even a fireworks show, like a video of it, a picture of it, does it absolutely no justice. Mm -hmm. You know that is something that you need to you need to see it to really appreciate the size of it. You know to to feel the explode. I mean, you literally feel the the explosion right in your chest as as those things are going off. You know, I mean, Disney does it so beautifully, set to music, and and there's no possible way to capture that. In its entirety, outside like, of, of that in-person experience. Have you ever tried to take a picture of the moon? Like a really full moon, especially around yep. the church. You, it doesn't you come know. out. So it's it's experiencing something in the moment. And that's something that we lose. I know we got on the tangent of phones here. It's something that we've lost now as a generation that we have to record everything. 
I remember the 4th of July, I was out on the golf course and everybody's got their phones out. Yep. Now, mind you, I was there and I, I took a beautiful picture of my parents. On, it was their wedding anniversary and they're looking at the fireworks here arm in arm and, and, and embracing each other and looking and it was just a gorgeous picture. And I tried to take a picture to see which is the best best possible place because I'm over fireworks. I mean, I love them, but it's like seeing one, <laughs> you've seen them all. Because no, I, 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 ha- I had, I mean, I had them... You know, over my last parish, and I had them over my my current parish, and I'm like, so usually I'd be like transfixed, and I was like, yeah, I have. To, I mean, mind you, I complained like crazy last year and the year before when we didn't have fireworks, but it's like, okay, you know, it's nice, and yeah, the finale was great, but I could walk. You know, before you couldn't tear me away, but I was wandering around yeah. the golfers, looking at looking at different people, and looking at the reaction. That what I noticed was so many people with their phones are trying to record it. It's like. You know, bring it back to mass. You know, everybody's trying to to capture the moment mm-hmm. of, you know, something in mass or at a wedding or you know lately. And then just you know, talk about pet pieces. Why are we taking pictures of funerals? Hello. Oh. So yeah, don't get me started on that. But bringing it back to fire, fire has to be experienced in the moment because it's something that, you know, boom. You know, when when that, something hits you, and. Here's a little shout out to your sister Gina. We were talking about, you know, she's she's watching Ted Lasso for the first time, and the other day somebody Oy. said, "Yeah, somebody said I envy you because you know I wish I would be able to watch it for the with first fresh time. eyes for the yeah. first time with so many things because it's so good." And and there there in the first season, there's next. Sorry, in the first episode of the second season, there's a there's a quote about love that you know the the characters who's grunt you just uh, yeah Roy Kent who is just an amazingly so well he writes he's a writer and we cannot play back this quote we can't I'm, I'm gonna i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to pg it if i totally. had a, do i have a do i have the beeping button here no no, no, beep, no. Beep, I'm, beep, I'm gonna i'm beep. not gonna play it i'm gonna read it because uh he says something that again it's because when it when it talks about you know he's talking about love and it is fire it is it is something that when you experience love especially at the romantic level at the passionate level. And it could be about, you know, love in terms of, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or even about God. It says, you know, just to set up the context, and it's, if you haven't seen the series, it's not spoiling anything, but, you know, he's there, this character's there, and they're on a double date, and and, and his girlfriend's next to him, and, and the other girl's there, and her boyfriend, her date, person she's dating just left, and so the other person's asking, well, what do you think? And, you know, this character, you know, Roy Kent's girlfriend said, well, he's fine. And he's trying to make, you know, puff him up for her mm-hmm. to make her feel good. And he's like, bleep, you know, he because he, the guy can't go two words without a lot of bleeps. A lot of, a lot of bleeps. He's like, oh. <laughs> he, and he literally, and he's like, I remember watching the scene and I was transfixed by the scene the very first moment I saw it. He goes, tell the truth. He's fine. That's it. Nothing wrong with that. Most people are fine, but it's not about him. It's about why he deserves you, why he thinks he deserves you. You deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. Don't you dare settle for fine. And that's what you were talking about, is that as Catholics, we settle for fine. Far too often. We settle for, okay, we'll go to Mass on Sunday. And and listen, (laughs) for the majority of my parishioners, that would be great for me because I don't see them. But for those of us that go and those, those that listen, because I know the ones that are listening are a little more than just the hour a week, we can't settle for fine. We have to be struck by lightning every day. You know what I did this morning? It's just like, because I knew it was the, the week that school started. You know, I'm in bed. i praying for people that, I, you know, there was a little uh, young man from our school is having surgery today. Yep. So a young man from our parish is having surgery. So I was praying for them. Did my prayers, and and I look at my watch, and, I, and it, was, it was still way ahead of schedule in terms of getting ready for mass of the assumption this morning. Literally, I jumped out of bed and boom, hit the. Sorry about that. I just messed up all our equipment. I jumped <laughs> out and I hit the. Like if there was somebody in the first floor below me, they would have heard my feet hit yeah. the ground. It's like that quote is like when you wake up, it's like the devil says, "Oh blank, he's a awake. lot of blank. Yeah. He's awake. She's awake." <laughs> Usually it's women that say that, you know, but yeah, we want the devil. And I talked about it yesterday. Yeah. We want the devil to quake in his boots when, when we wake up and when we're like ready to go. Why? Because we have to be on fire. So we can't settle for fine. 
when it comes to our faith, we have to be on fire. And and I think, and this might come back to to bite us in, yeah. in a very good way. But but we can't just point the finger at at us as individual Catholics. I think as a parish, yeah. I I came across a great uh, tweet earlier this weekend that says, you know, for everything that the church has been through, you know, the fact that so many people are still coming for baptism, that are still coming for first communions, that are still coming. You know, on a regular basis for to to receive uh, you know, to, to celebrate Sunday mass funerals to, God, to come to <laughs> so know, many funerals the last two weeks for all the the I mean two thousand years of scandals and and mm-hmm. this and that and and you know and anything and everything that could possibly go wrong you know we've been through it you know we should treat every single person that walks into this building. You know, whether it's for a baptism, for a confirmation, for a religious ed registration, for a school registration, for spiritual direction, for confession, whatever it may be. I mean, you were blown away by the amount of people who came this weekend for confession. You know, we should treat every single one of those visits as if we are being struck by lightning. Because, wow. Yeah. You know, that just, just we don't know what's going on in that person's life and, and the fact that they've just taken... The, the the risk and the step you know to come and ask you know what is it that I need to do you know to speak to a priest to go to confession to receive a sacrament to become part of the church to you know to convert to this faith that we profess together I mean you want to talk about let's not settle for fine you've got it right there two things to what you just said back in March when you and I presented a big project to the Archbishop and he, he approved it, you know, that we had been working on for many months, and, and we were driving back home with Lewis, and, and, I said, and, I, and I said, all right, boys, leave me the hell alone for, for a couple of weeks. And, and you're like, no, man, we got, now we got to take this and we got to run. And, and, and props, because this is why, you know, you're my right hand here in the parish, or my best friend, because you, you're like, that was, ex- you know, it was still coming up on it's, hold, it's and it was already exhausting, <laughs> and we're still working on that. Anyways, the second thing is, Absolutely, that we don't know when that bolt of lightning, when that fire moment happens for people. Uh, we don't, because that's we don't know how the Holy Spirit works. We don't know where people are spiritually. You just said it. We don't know where they are in their personal life. We don't know where they are in their spiritual life. It could be something very small that sets a person on fire yep. for good. And I'll give you an example. Uh, was it last week? No, week before. <laughs> last week's we've just you, you gotta you know ask anybody here in the office. We've just been inundated with funerals, and and it's not just 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 happens. And there was a funeral a couple uh, a week and a half ago that I did, and it was my it was my upteenth funeral that week. I mean I'm exaggerating, but it was one too many. And you can and as a priest and and I will confess this you you. You can get into the autopilot and, and just give you know give the can funeral homily, and a lot has to do with the disposition of the people. And unfortunately, the people were you know the person was practicing, the children weren't, they were there, and it was just it was like blah. I had to correct. I, I told you I had to correct the eulogy because everything they said during the eulogy kind of like you know well, we hope you know there's like it wasn't even we hope he's in heaven. It's like. Well, you know, his eyes closed and, you know, that's it. No, it's not that's it. I had to say, it's not that's it. I just preached an entire homily that we close our eyes, we pray that we open them and we see the Lord face to face. And I'm thinking, oh, this was not a waste of time because you can't underestimate the power of God's grace in the sacrament. This is why. So I get to knock at the door at the sacristy when I'm finishing up after Mass and I'm like, oh boy, somebody's going to let me have it because I wasn't maybe with it or maybe I spoke out of turn after the eulogy to correct the person. The young lady walks in and says, literally, the first thing that I want to be said, that, that she said, Father, I want to be baptized. Well, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, and I was just, she was, I was just at the funeral, and this church is so beautiful. She didn't say anything about my funeral, about my words, nothing. So I walked her through what she had to do and I, you know, I gave her deacon's phone number and i mean or her email address I, I i took you know just in case i took her name and i took her uh phone number and then uh she was 
you know, she was Brazilian. She, you know, was brought up, you know, she wasn't baptized, even though her great uncle was a very, you know, from what she told me and from a book that she showed me, was a very important priest in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And so she said, Father, can you can you mind if I record you saying a message from the church to my aunt? I go, yeah, no problem. I did it. It was 30 seconds. He goes, and do you mind if I take pictures of the church? I go, knock yourself out. She spent the next 30 to 45 minutes taking pictures of the church because beauty, you know, and that's why, you know, Bishop Barron constantly says this, beauty speaks truth. And our church is so beautiful. People are come, come in and they're awestruck by it. You know, we kind of like take it for granted because we walk in there every day yep. or every Sunday. But so many people, they walk into the church, so many people stop their cars there on, on, on Anastasia and, and to take a picture of the church because they're like, again, bolt of lightning. Look at this church. You know, you stand in front of St. Peter's, you stand in front of St. Paul's in London, you stand in front of these great, great churches. Hagia Sophia when it was Catholic, <laughs> you know, in, in Istanbul. You know, and you look at it and you're just awestruck because beauty calls to mind this bolt of lightning moment and so we have to get caught up on that because like you said we never know when it happened it happened for that young girl yep. i mean she was in her 20s 30s but she's like just walked in his father i want to be baptized i'm like all right let's do it because we never know when that mo bolt of lightning moment happens i constantly tell people when they say i father i don't get anything out of mass i don't get anything out of i go well you persevere. You never know when you're sitting in prayer. Maybe God's not talking back. Maybe God, you think God is abandoned. You think God is not talking to you. You never know when you're sitting there and you persevere in prayer when God will say, hey, I'm ready to talk. Yeah. Or now you're ready for me. For Now you're ready to listen to, to me. To hear what I have to say. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So many times we're not. So Jesus wants to set us on fire. Jesus wants to set the world on fire. And that's so important because... And I took that in a million different directions, especially in light of the Virgin yeah. Mary yesterday. Yeah, you were, you were saying, I was going to, uh, you know, we're, it's crazy how we're, we're on the same page here. But I was going to say, it, beauty leads us to truth. And, and what better way to transition to Mary than, than talking about beauty? And oh. I mean, Mary as a person is absolute beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have this beautiful statue that we just got, Fatima, that Father Omar ordered for us. You spoke a little bit about it in the homily yesterday. Just that moment as, as we unveiled her and gazed upon this image for the first time. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not to exalt the image. It's it's what the image points to, Mary, pointing us back yeah, to but the, but the thing is, Jesus. This, but the, the, but the, the image, the image itself yeah. is just so stunning that it, it stops you in your tracks but this and goes points to, to something. But th but this goes to you know when Protestants and, and that's why you corrected yourself when Protestants nail us or try to nail us for you know worshiping men we don't it's like for example if you have a beautiful picture of your wife and you see we're mentioning Angie you have to it's, we're contractually obligated and she'll kill us for it afterwards <laughs> but if you have a beautiful picture of your wife and you and you and you look and I said my goodness I'm so blessed look at how beautiful. My wife, or even your daughter, and you say, "Look at how beautiful my daughter is," and the same thing. It's like your mother, and the the, the 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 this is something that was totally improvised. Usually, you know, these are things that come up to me when I'm preparing the homily, and I didn't know my mother was there. And when we were looking at the different images that Father Omar was sending us from from Portugal of of these statues, I'm th you know I said I'm <laughs> thinking which one looks more like looks like my mom. Because when you think of your mom, you think of someone you find refuge in. You think of someone you, you go to when you're in trouble. You think of someone you find comfort in. Because I mentioned this in, in Mass this morning, you know, the, the picture of, of, of Mary, the image of Mary that I had in my room is the, the picture of Madonna in the streets. Madonna of the streets, Google it. It's, it's Mary kind of like leaning back with, you know, with the child Jesus on her chest, you know, and... And, and resting, and I always found great comfort. And when I got here to the Little Flower, and I saw that we had not the painting itself, but kind of like uh, the I, I forget what it's called, like that metal uh, painting. We had a sacred, we have a uh, yeah. uh, Holy Family one, you know, somewhere around. But it, it's in our chapel. It gives me great comfort because we're supposed to find comfort in Mary. That's why Jesus said, "Behold your mother." That's why Jesus gave us Mary as our mother because we He knows. You know, God exalted mother so much that he wanted one himself. You know, so 
that image of the Madonna in the streets is like we find comfort in Mary and we find also in her protection for us. And I mentioned, I, and I really, really hammered it home, our family, because that image of Mary just, you know, leaning back, comforting. When we were, at, we were together yesterday, you know, when your son fell asleep finally for his nap, fell asleep on your wife, and I called to mind that image. She fell asleep as well. Yeah. But, you know, it called to mind that image. There she is comforting her son. And that's what we have to do and, and commend ourselves to Mary. And so yesterday was 14th of August. Normally it would be the day before Assumption is the Feast of, of St. Maxim and Kobe. And I want to share this quote, which I shared yesterday, of St. Max talking about talking about and Mary and the Assumption and talking about this, this spiritual battle because Jesus goes on in this gospel to talk about division. You know, I've come to, you know, don't, do you think I've come to bring peace, to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now in a household of five will be divided two against three and three against two. And then he talks about, you know, mother against your daughter, father against your son, etc. And say Max talks about this beautifully. And he says, modern times are dominated by Satan and will be more so in the future. The conflict with hell cannot be engaged by men, even the most clever. The Immaculata alone has from God the promise of victory over Satan. However, assumed into heaven, the mother of God now requires our cooperation. She seeks souls who will consecrate themselves entirely to her, who will become in her hands effective instruments for the defeat of Satan and the spread, excuse me, and the spreading of God's kingdom upon earth. In other words, Mary needs our cooperation. Mary needs us to take our souls, our hearts, place them at her feet. And what I harped on the most yesterday, to take our families, to consecrate our families to her and say, you know, Blessed Mother, this is my family. Take, you know, protect us. Take care of us. Shield us. Intercede for us. Because she has that power given to her by her son. We ha- and she, she, he, wants, she, he wants us, and she wants us to be able to use that, to be able to con- conquer the forces of evil on this earth, which are all around us. And Lord knows I got into them yesterday. Okay? And very, in, in sometimes <laughs> in too much detail. So, you know, so many people come up to me and, and the first thing they say, oh, Father, the world is falling apart. You, know, you could have said that during Jesus' time. You could have said that at any point in the 20th century, yep. even before that. Things haven't changed. And that's why we need the Blessed Mother at our side. So, we want the help of the Lord to set, the, we, we want to help the Lord Set the earth on fire. We have to commend ourselves to Our Lady. And, and there's so many ways to do that. You know the 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 beauty of Mary is that there are so many uh, images of her, and and there's so many uh, titles that we attribute to her. You know, so you know, you, you met with uh, the Schoenstatt group this past weekend. You know, and they're drawn to to this particular uh, apparition of Mary and, and the graces that flow from that. Whereas, you know, someone else might be attracted uh, or, or might be called to Fatima, you know, or, you know, praying a rosary or, you know, the Pope Francis's favorite, you know, Mary, the undoer of knots. You know, the, the little holy card somebody put there yeah. yesterday morning. There. <laughs> you know, there, there are so many different ways that Mary makes herself available to us. You know, and, and it's just as simple as, you know, oh, well, if you didn't know this before, just type up, you know, apparitions of Mary or, or the different attributes of Mary, the titles of Mary, you know, and see what calls out to you. you know, and, and let that be the start of a new devotion for for you as an individual and, and for you as a family. You know, if, if you're in a messy situation, you know, maybe it is Mary, undoer of knots, uh, who, who can come in and and be a point of grace for you, you know, and be a point of healing for you, uh, and and help to start to unravel some of that mess that you find yourself in. You know, if, if you are, you know, maybe you don't, you've never prayed a rosary before, or or you don't get it. You know, I I love to pray the rosary, but I'll admit the first few times I prayed it, especially in seminary, <laughs> I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just going through the motions here. I'm not really getting anything out of it, but uh, you know, I'm supposed to be 
sitting in this chair for the next 45 minutes. So, all right, might as well do it. You know, but the more we did it, the more I did it, you know, the more I started to get out of it. So Mary, like you said, wants to be part of our life and, and has made it so incredibly easy to be part of our life if we're willing to allow her into our families, if we're, if we're willing to allow her into our homes, into our spiritual lives, to really let her be part of family as our Blessed Mother. However, assumed into heaven, the Mother of God now requires our cooperation. She seeks souls who will consecrate themselves entirely to her. And that is how we set the earth on fire for our Lord. By saying we are warriors, we are the sons of Our Lady. You know, you think about, somebody mentioned to me the Battle of Lepanto early mm -hmm. this morning. You know, they were, you know, shielded by Our Lady. You think about even the Spanish-American War, the Mambises in Cuba, they went and they, you know, they, they went and knelt before Our Lady of Charity in, in, in eastern Cuba before they went off to, to battle to fight for their independence. You know, Our Lady is, is there not only just to, you know, for these, these are civil conflicts, but what we're, we're talking about here is spiritual conflict. And it's no coincidence that this whole conversation happened at 12. As, as the bells the, as were the, going off behind us uh, for, so, for the Angelus. So, so now, it's, now it's Monday afternoon, quarterback. Um, but yes, it, it is absolutely beautiful because it calls to mind, you know, and our children always stop in the school, and and, and you were supposed to start today, so I apologize because we, we were going to do this yeah, after The rest of the staff is the rest literally of staff is, under us yeah, on the, the first Angelus. floor doing it right so, now. So, you know, that our kids stop and pray the Angelus and the Regina Chelly during Easter. But it is so important, my friends, that we look at this gospel yesterday and and this solemnity that we celebrate today the assumption of the blessed virgin mary and say you know the assumption is reminds us of what our destiny is you know that we are going to encounter love himself when we get to heaven and that jesus is going to take care of us as he took care of his mother but we have to set the earth on fire first okay and leave it burning when we leave it's like you know it's i always say i i used to joke with teachers when i when i would rile up a class when I would visit and then walk out the door and they had to, you know, calm them down afterwards. It's like, okay, I just lit a match and threw it in the room. And, and that the, the scene from the movie? Right yeah, one of, the, <laughs> one of those many movies where somebody's blowing up something. The mariachi is the one that comes to mind right now. That the, the, the protagonist is walking away from something he just blew up or she blew up. But uh, it, it's so important that we meditate upon this gospel, that we realize that not only do we have to set the earth on fire, that because of that will probably be a sign of division, whether it be in our families or in our communities or in, in or at work or at school. It doesn't matter. If we commend ourselves to Our Lady, she will protect us, she will guide us, she will lead us back to her son who is calling us today to set the earth on fire for him. Running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no brainer. He's a Hall sentence. of Famer. <laughs> that guy just. No, but. Just. No. Get out of here. What was that last night? So this summer in sports went exactly the way you pictured it, right? Well, I mean, early summer was fine. And then after the 4th of July, everything just went off the rails, especially for our local. Baseball team. Jorge. Our triple A. <laughs> Jorge has been venting about this. I go, good thing we're not doing the podcast because he's been. You were talking about fire in the first segment. I would, he wanted I would have been fired if. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about, you know, he wanted it. He was going scorched earth on the Marlins, you know, as, 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 as we run from July to August. I mean, at this point, is there any other alternative? As we sit here right now, in the last 15 games, the Marlins have not scored more than three runs in all 15 of those games. And you, that's just... You can't see me. I'm just... No, he's nodding. He he's, he's, he's has his fingers to his temple, eyes closed, just nodding, you know, just, just shaking his head. <sighs> so where... All right, because I believe we have a fantastic uh, pitching staff that's in 
playing now or in waiting. It's tragic what happened to Max Meyer with the uh, yeah. with the with the Tommy John literally an inning um, a game and two outs into his career, but he looked like the real deal. A six to, I mean, at this point, why bring him back? I mean, you know, just get him ready for spring training next year. If, you know, if, if he's ready. Sixto has been throwing at sixty feet for the last yeah, that, that, like two months. But you've who? But who's the first person you find? You know the the you you've been telling me all all summer. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the not just the head trainer, the entire training staff from top to bottom, everything. Because it's like, what are they? You know, what are they doing? Look at the uh, look, uh, and it's not the first time. I think it happened last season too, and and they cleaned the house on the training staff, and whoever they brought in has been equally as bad, if not worse. But. But because you man. saw, you, you see how many people went on the IL in the month of July. Like as we were, injuries happen, I get it, but but how, not like this. How close we were? I know we were one game under five hundred, and we were at one point we were one game under and two and two and a half or three and a half back, which is striking distance. Hey, Boston is five games out right now after beating the Yankees last night, and they're thinking, hey, maybe we could make a run. Which listen, five games with a month and a half left in the season, actually a little more than a month and a half because that last week is going to be a little. A bit more truncated yep. because of that. We have to make up the two weeks that we missed uh, because of the strike or the lockout. Uh, it could have been done, and if the Marlins would have caught fire, you know, they would have been. I mean, did they do anything at the deadline? All they did was no, absolutely was, nothing. They sent out two bullpen pieces, which really we don't need to Toronto, and got back. I think was a center fielder. I haven't heard anything about him since then. So I couldn't tell you his name right now. JJ but I've also I've also checked out of uh, Marlins yes, you baseball. Have. So now on, <laughs> on Saturday, on Saturday they played a day night doubleheader, which I don't know in their history they've ever done, where you had to you know had a game at one and one at seven, which is very common in Fenway and in Wrigley and in Yankee Stadium and in L.A. because you know you have a lot of people that go and and people buy tickets and but here usually when it's doubleheader you you come in you get eighteen innings you have a half an hour break between yes. both games and. Go for, but no, and they the had definition of incompetence right here. Oh, but I, I said to Jorge on, on on Saturday morning, what would it take for us? Usually, we 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 go to a baseball game, but what would it take for us to sit through eighteen innings? Because as my father so eloquently pointed out to me when I was on vacation with him, when we were watching, he goes, he goes, it's painful to watch, and you know, bad at bats, bad defense. You know, the again, the pitching has the been shame, good. That's the shame of it, though. Is that we're wasting this Sandy these, these pitching performance, and Sandy. not just Sandy. I mean, top to bottom, they have rough days here and there. But you know, Pablo got shaky there around the trade deadline with everything swirling around him. Understandable. No, we had, we had one but, good start, like two, but, a week and a half before the yeah, trade deadline. But you know, Lozardo looks fan, f- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Braxton Garrett yesterday, you know, six yeah. six innings. It was one nothing going into? Was one nothing going? One nothing going into the ninth. We lost three to one. And first batter, boom, tie game and. Downhill from there. Yeah. So but, we're, we're, we're wasting a Cy. I mean, we have never had a Cy Young winner on our staff. Jose came close one year, yep. I believe. I don't remember if Jose won rookie year. I don't remember now. I should know this. But uh, but we never had a Cy Young. We're going to waste that. Uh, now, I. You, you your, your solution has been, you were saying this the first week of the season. You want to fire? Fire Don Mattingly. So. Get rid that, of it's very weird how that's being played out. That his contract is up at the end of the year. I think I don't think that he wants out. I think he's just tired because he went from playing to coach, hitting I coach. I can tell to by the lineups coach. he puts out. Yeah. It looks like he's putting a lot of effort into him. Yeah, Anyhow, doing a lot of prep work. But <laughs> our our GM <laughs> and listen, we want our GM. She's the first female GM in in in, in sports history. We want her to do well, not only because that she's the first female, because she because she's RGM. But when she goes out there, there's not much I could do. I mean, we yes, that like is yes, her job. You, you're you're seeing a team that's that that's you know underperforming. Trade some of these guys. The the, the signings you made, you could say Avi, bust. Sorlair, bust. Aguilar should have been traded at the deadline. Nobody probably wanted him. Okay, I mean, listen. If the Yankees were able to trade Gallo and his 167 average, yep. where he was on a team that Aaron Judge had more home runs at mid at late July than he had hits. Think about that. A, a member of his team had more home runs than he had hits, and they were still able yeah. to trade him. 
okay? You could trade anything in Major League Baseball. Trade him for a bag of chips. Yep. Okay? Just get something. Yep. But oh, it's not much I could do. And, and the problem with that is it, it blocks the guys coming in. You know, Lewin Diaz is finally getting regular playing time. Uh, he's been Great a, defense. He's been abysmal at the plate. Yeah, but, but he's always been abysmal. At the but he needs, wow. he needs the reps. He needs the reps. And, and the longer he's not getting reps, you know, he's never going to develop. That's like jazz with left-handed hitters. If you keep sitting jazz against left-handed pitchers, you know, he's never going to develop as a batter against against lefties. you got to put him in there and, and put him in a place to succeed. Jorge, how, how many more August and Septembers do we have to endure of, <sighs> oh, let's give the kids a try from, you know, the J.J. Bladez of the world, the Max Myers of the world, the Leon Diaz of the world. Let's give them a try instead of, listen, I mean, they made it easier to get into the postseason. games under. And... Yeah, I know. Obviously, we have to do that. But but when they make it easier to get into the postseason, yep. and, and God bless them, they were able to do that two years ago in a 60-game trip. But look, but that's, that's the what... thing. We had, we had the recipe there this season. And, yeah. and we were gun-shy because instead of, Instead of being aggressive and, and going after a bat, Castellano. Is not even not even in in the off season at the deadline. No, but at the deadline we were out of it already, and everybody was injured. The weeks leading up to the deadline, we no, were we were one on July. We were early, one under yeah. and two two or three and a half games back. Mm-hmm. You know, make the move there, and and that that is a big sell to the fan base. It's a big sell to the clubhouse. It's a morale booster that. You know, we're in it. They believe in us. Instead, we sat on our hands, and now we're, I forget how far back, how many games under, and people have tuned out. 15 under. But as an organization, do we, because at least with Jeter, I know you have your problems with Jeter. You knew we had a plan, okay? We had, we made the postseason. Yes, it was a truncated season, but everybody was playing by the same rules. We got in. We won our first series against the Cubs, okay? And we had a plan. Yes, and he built up our farm system. We have so many great arms, and we can mortgage those arms to get bats. We haven't done that. So now, I mean, we, they still haven't replaced. We don't have a CEO. We don't have a, a head of, of, of operations. You know, we have a head of business operations. We have a GM. I mean, organizationally, do we have a plan? Other than that, we'd like to win. You know, when, when you're telling me, you know, oh, we want fans to come out and, and enjoy the ballpark experience. I couldn't care less about the ballpark experience. I'm there to find, you know, I want what I want is the on-field experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what draws people to the stands Is because that's Miami. Especially here. Yep. In Miami, <laughs> if you're not winning, listen, the heat. Before Dwayne Wade, before Shaq, actually before Shaq, okay, really they didn't sell out since Shaq, since Dwayne Wade, since LeBron. They have had 10, more than 10 plus years of consecutive sellouts every year because people want to be associated with that word that they use, culture. If the Marlins can catch that, this is a baseball town. We drive around the city. You see baseball fields everywhere. You see yep. kids playing baseball, people talking baseball. It's there, but we have been, I hate to use the word curse, but it is. over. It's our 30th season with inept ownership after inept ownership that doesn't, that doesn't understand. 30th season and our 28th rebuild. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's two seasons where we won a World Series. So, yeah, but... But it oh, but always got gets de- this got depressing. Fast. No, it really it did, <laughs> but it leads to it, the Marlins always because but come mid August we don't we don't care about the Marlins because here comes cue the cue the cue the music yeah football football I was saying fire in the first seven nights football you know we had a preseason game on on Saturday night which I was very invested in that. I celebrated that doink field goal that made it help us win. That was fun. like if it was. You'll be like, proud. I watched the whole game. I didn't. I, I did not. I had. I watched I, the entire. I, I didn't get to it. Game. I mean, I, I watched it on delay laterwards, and I caught up till about when we got to the end of the third quarter, and I was flipping back and forth between that and the Yankees, and I didn't want to get into the Yankees. Talk about another team that's underachieving after a great start, but the Dolphins. I mean, they didn't start their starters. Two has looked good all all camp. Tyreek Hill. 
Is it going to be a difference maker? Just going to be a difference maker. It's as simple as that. And you know, that that young quarterback, dad didn't really like him. I I, I saw. I mean, I, I was fast forwarding through most of it. I was trying to catch up and catching here. I I didn't watch the defense. I watched more of the offense. He looked good here and there. A couple throws, overthrows, but his deadline was pretty good yep. for a seventh rounder. Uh, we'll see this weekend when we play. Uh, when we play, uh, it looks like we played Bridgewater more. I, I couldn't care less if Tua sees the field. I mean, two years ago when we didn't have a preseason in the COVID year, it proved we don't need a preseason. Everybody got the, the first weekend. Let's go. Yep. College, they don't have a preseason. Yep. They just go. And then speaking of college, down Let's the road. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you. Uh, Mario was, everybody was, Mario was at Mass yesterday. And Mario comes to Mass every now and then here. You know, because he was, he first year here for many years and went to school here. And every, I, 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 I got to, you know, you know, I got there after he had left. He was like, Father, you see Coach, Coach Cristobal was here. I go, yeah, he comes to Mass here. You know, that's good. I love well, it. When our coach, they had a I scrimmage on Saturday. We don't know what happened, but we're ready. We're, we're, Three week, well, less, less than two and a two and a half weeks till college football kicks off against Bethune Cookman. You know, you're you're ready. We're ready. I know so many people are ready, and and we're ready to go. Inter Miami beat the the defending MLS champions. That's right. And we're in uh, in, in playoff position now. So it looks good. He went out with Campana out and Iguain had. I gotta get He went on a tear there for a while, and, and there was they've played some very gritty games that. That week they had last week of, or a week and a half ago of, you know, playing here, then going to San Jose for a week, Wednesday game, then going to Montreal. And they got three points in San Jose and got one point in Montreal. And it was like at the last minute they got they got that equalizer. And God bless them. They've been, and Phil Neville's been, mm-hmm. you know, he's got our boys. Turn um, that around. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Man U and the disaster that is, or you don't, you don't know about that? You're like, <laughs> that, that, was a, that was an aside to CJ there. <laughs> Manchester United, one of the most important franchises in the world, well, is off to a very. I know who Man U is. Yeah, but they're they're uh they're off to a very rough rough start. So, uh, but we're glad to have football back in our lives because baseball is just. Eesh. I mean, get them out of here. <laughs> yeah, all of them. I mean, <laughs> he wants to burn everything down. He really wants to take the gospel literally today. Anyways, save folks, me, save me, jazz and and our arms and just. Start yep. over. So, folks, thanks for joining <laughs> us for our season premiere of season four of Monday Morning Kamala's. Please share this with your friends. Share the good news. That's how you set the earth on fire. Uh, we should have done more in sports, but we're like, we have so a lot of things to do here in the office uh, today as we get ready for school. We'll get into it more in sports in the coming weeks. We'll preview the college football season. We'll bring Ashley in to talk more football and uh and uh, yeah, so much to, to talk about. But mo- mainly on this day of, of our of our lady, uh, we entrust all of you who are listening to us, who entrust us, entrust you to our lady on this wonderful solemnity of the Assumption. Always commend yourself to her and to her intercession, and she will take care of you no matter what. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.